You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. I didn't say this earlier, but Merry Christmas. Right, we're still in the season of Christmas, uh, and the, the season of Christmas uh, lasts how many days? Think of the song, right? Twelve days of Christmas, right? So the season of Christmas lasts 12 days. It starts December 25th and goes through January 5th, and then on January 6th, we celebrate Epiphany, uh, which is the celebration of the wise men uh, coming to the baby Jesus. And so uh, we'll talk more about that next week, obviously, because next week will be Epiphany. And so if your, uh, if your nativity scenes at home were to follow the Advent Christmas Epiphany season, they would look something like this, where you would um, sometime, and I'm not going to get into any argument about when, whether it's November 1st or you know, the day after Thanksgiving or July or whenever, right? Sometime you would put your nativity up. And in that nativity, you would put in maybe some, some shepherds and some, some animals, and that's about it. Maybe Mary and Joseph, but no Jesus yet, right? Are, are any of you people that put Mary and Joseph in the nativity without Jesus? No? Okay, just, just a few of us. All right. Um, so then on December 24th, on that night, you can put the angel and the star and baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph, maybe, right? If you didn't put Mary and Joseph in, right? Because now it's Christmas. And then, for, uh, and then at that point, also, you, you pull out your, your wise men, but you put them somewhere else in the house. And if, if it works, you put them to the east. If it doesn't work, okay, that's fine, right? And if it works also, then every day for those 12 days, you move the wise men a little bit closer, until on January 6th, they make it finally to the nativity scene. So that's what it would look like if your nativity were to follow the, the seasons. Or you can just put the whole thing out at once and call it good, right? But that's, that's, the Christ, that's the season, right? It starts with Advent as we look forward to the coming of Jesus. And then we get to celebrate the birth of Jesus for more than just 24 hours, right? And then 12 days later, we get to celebrate uh, the arrival of the wise men. But again, we'll talk about the wise men next week uh, because this week is Christmas. And the Christmas season is all about promises that are fulfilled, right? Jesus fulfilled a lot of promises throughout his life, throughout the way he lived his life, throughout the, the way he cared for people by healing them, by, by uh, freeing them of, of demons, by freeing them of, uh, of physical illnesses, by by giving sight to the blind. But then Jesus also fulfilled promises in the way he went to the cross and the death that he died for you and me. And, and finally, he also, not finally, but he also fulfilled promises in his resurrection. Right? But, but it all started with his birth and the promises that he fulfilled in his birth. And probably the most notable comes from Isaiah 7 where it says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. And then the, the angel Gabriel, as he's talking to Joseph, uh, we get this in Matthew, we get this account in Matthew, we, the angel quotes this as he says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means 
God with us, right? And so uh, the circumstances surrounding Jesus' birth and conception are promises fulfilled. But also where he was born was prophesied uh, in, in Micah 5.2 where it says, but you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. And the reason that Mary and Joseph were in Bethlehem was because of a census, right? And they, they go to Bethlehem to be there, to be with family and relatives, and, and to, to be in Bethlehem, because that's, they're from the tribe of David, but then while they're in Bethlehem, right, the, the wise men come sometime later, and as the wise men are coming, King Herod sends them because he hears from the wise men about this new king, and he's interested in this new king, and he actually doesn't like that there's this new king that has come. And so he tries to get information from the wise men as to where, who this child is so that he can come take care of Jesus. Right? But the wise men in a dream, they decide to go, in a, they're told to go in a different way and not back to Herod. And Herod gets frustrated that, that his plans have been thwarted. And so the best way to take care of this king is just to, in Herod's mind, is just to kill every single boy two years and younger in the area, which was actually a fulfillment of another prophecy from Jeremiah 31 that says, Thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Now, in its original context, this was talking about the deportation of the people of Judah to Babylon because Babylon had just conquered them. And, and Jeremiah and Lamentations, they're both written by Jeremiah, and Jeremiah's preparing for the exile, preparing the people for the exile, and then lamenting over what has happened to Jerusalem. And, and so we see this take place very quickly after Jeremiah writes this, but also we see it take place fuller, more fully fulfilled in Jesus and his life around that. Now, the reason that Jesus wasn't in Bethlehem when this all took place was that, again, another dream came to Joseph and told him to take his family to Egypt to, to get away from all of this, which again was another fulfillment of a prophecy from Hosea 11 that says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. And this, I think, is one of my favorite prophecies because it wasn't thought, it wasn't considered a prophecy when it was first written. Right? When Hosea was writing this, he's just telling the history of the people. The people of Israel came out of Egypt. They spent 400 years living in Egypt, and then they were put into slavery, and God brought them out of Egypt. And so Hosea is just telling the history of the people. But even in that, it's a promise that the people didn't even know that they should be expecting, but fulfilled in the birth of Jesus. And so as we see over and over and over, we see God keeps His promises. And this isn't just an Old Testament to Jesus thing, right? It's not just God keeps His promises regarding the Messiah, but He has promises for you and for me. And so a little bit earlier, I read from you uh, Galatians chapter 4, and as I was reading through that, there are five promises that I see God speaking to you in that. And so as, I'm going to read that text again, and I want, to, I want you to see if you can find five promises that God has for you in this text. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law 
so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Right, did you catch those promises? Right, first, God tells us that He sent His Son, Jesus, to redeem us. Lost and condemned people who are in need. We can't do anything on our own. We are dead in our trespasses, and yet God sent His Son to redeem us. And as He redeems us uh, through the waters of baptism, through the hearing of His Word, as He redeems us, He adopts us into His family as His children. And then in that process, He sends us His Spirit to be with us, to walk with us, to, to guide us, to, to be intermediaries, 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 there it is, an intermediary, that's the word, between us and God, and to speak on our behalf. Right? And then He also frees us from slavery to sin and makes us heirs to God's eternal kingdom. Right? Four verses, five huge promises that God gives to us. Now, I know that, that most of you know these promises, though, and so, so the question is then, what do we do about these promises that God has for us? Well, Isaiah 62 says that for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake, I will not go quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. So what do we do about these promises? I will not keep silent. Now, as I say that, right, all of you are silent, right, because you're listening. And so, just to make sure we're all on the same page, can we say this together slowly, right? I will not keep silent. And specifically, what this text is talking about in Isaiah 62 is not keeping silent about God's promises. Because again, Isaiah is writing to God's people who, at the beginning of his book, he's writing up and preparing them for the exile to Babylon. And then towards the end of that letter, uh, that prophecy, they're in exile. And so, as Isaiah is writing this, he is saying, I will not keep silent because I will continue to cry out for God because we're in exile. And this is not what his promises we thought would look like. And so I will continue to keep crying out to God until He finally fulfills the promises. Because we know He will, because we've seen Him keep His promises over and over. And so I will not keep silent. I will continue to cry out to God until He keeps His promises. But also, I will not keep silent so those around me, those who are reading this, those who are hearing this prophecy, will be reminded of His promises and be able to look to His promises when times are tough. And so as this Christmas season is all about promises fulfilled, as God's people, we need to be able to do two things. Know the promises of God and share the promises of God. Right? Because if you don't know the promises of God, when, when times get tough, what are you going to do? Right? When, when life is lonely, who are you going to turn to? Or who's going to walk with you through the, the valley of the shadow of death? And over the last few weeks, uh, I've been in hospitals a lot, uh, both with my dad, 
uh, many days, but also a number of members I've gotten to visit in different hospitals over, the, uh, over these last few weeks. And, and as I've visited with them, there's been, there's been conversations that I can tell there's some, there's some fear, there's some concern, there's some nervousness, there's some wonder. But at the same time, as we get to read God's Word, as we get to gather together in prayer, there's also been comfort and hope and peace in the midst of these trying times, right? Because these people, these, these families that I've talked to, they've known the promises. But as I've reflected on that with Stacey a little bit, as we've been talking at night at times, we've looked back on these times and all these hard times for different people and asked ourselves and asked each other, what would it look like to be walking through these same instances without knowing the promises of God, without the hope that Jesus gives? And neither of us can understand that because we've always known the promises of God, but we know that there are people in our families, we know that there are people in our, in our group of friends and in our communities that need to hear these promises. So, so we can't just know these promises for ourselves, but we also need to, to share these promises so that your family members, so that your friends, so that your, your neighbor can also know these promises when they walk through these tough times when their life is, is lonely, when they walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And so, as God's people, we're called to not just know the promises, but right, I will not be silent to also share the promises of God. And there are a lot of promises. Uh, Herbert Locklear wrote in his book, All the Promises of God, and I didn't, I didn't fact check this because I didn't have time to do it. Um, and, and so, I'll let you do this this week. Uh, go get the book, um, and in it, he enumerates 7,147 promises that God gives to mankind. And so I encourage you this week, in your free time, uh, just go ahead and read that and see if you can find all 7,147 promises that God has for you in His Word. That's a lot of promises. If you were to look at one promise every day, it would take you 19 and a half years to look through every single promise that God has for you. Now, yes, a lot of those are duplicates. But you know why they're duplicates? Because we're not always the smartest people. And we need reminded over and over and over and over again of the promises of God. And so one thing that we're going to do here at Trinity this year is to remind you of God's promises. And so, as for those of you who get the trunk line, uh, this week it'll start already uh, with each week we're going to have one promise from God for His people, for you to be reminded of, or to be, or to know. Maybe, maybe you don't know all of these. And so, you, you get to learn the promises of God. And so, check out the, if you don't get the trunk line, call the office on Tuesday. Right, so that you can get, uh, get signed up for that email. But at the very top of that, know the promises, share the promises. And this week on Wednesday, you're going to see this promise from Joshua 21 that reminds us that God's promises never fail. Right? Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord has made to the house of Israel has failed. All came to pass. So even as we start this process of knowing the promises so that we can share the promises, 
we're reminded already that God's promises never fail. Ever. He always keeps his promises. And so when you're in the midst of those tough times where it doesn't feel like God's promises are, are clear to you, where, when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of the death and you're like, well, God, I thought you'd be with me always, he is. But sometimes it's hard to see. But we know there will be a day when he will return and finally fulfill all of those promises, where there will be no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more tears, no more pain, where all those we love who have died in the faith will be gathered together with us around the throne of God, and we will worship with them for all eternity. All right, that's another promise that God gives to you and to all of his people today. So it's God's people through this year, and I know sometimes I give us a hard time, I, I give a hard time for New Year's resolutions or, or words of the year or things like that, mainly because I'm awful at them and my New Year's resolution usually gets failed by mid-January if I last that long. But this year at Trinity, we're going to spend our time focused on God's promises, that you, his people, might know the promises of God and share the promises of God. Amen? Amen. Amen.